Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Chris Roach. Chris is the founder and CEO of Catalyst Consulting, a full-service revenue and pipeline growth-focused marketing agency. Catalyst specializes in partnering with B2B SaaS companies on both strategy and execution of demand generation. Welcome to Revenue Rehab, Chris. Your session begins now. Hey, Brandy. Thanks for having me. Very excited to talk with you today. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, and before we jump into our topic today, I'd like to break the ice with a little woo-saw moment that I call buzzword banishment. So tell me, what buzzword would you like to get rid of forever? I don't know if it's necessarily something that I want to get rid of forever, but it's something that I see commonly misused. And I think it's it's just become a buzzword in the marketing field. And I know you mentioned prior, you know, a lot of your listeners are marketing leaders and the term demand generation is widely misused across all marketing right now. A lot of uh, marketing leaders talk about how they want to get into demand generation. They talk about the strategies that they want to do. However, it it's just broadly confused with really ungating lead generation uh, and that actual movement to demand generation is a lot more complex than I think a lot of marketers give it credit for. So it's something that I don't want to get rid of the term because it's definitely something that when used correctly is immensely powerful. However, the misunderstanding of it today as it's become this very popular strategy is just mind boggling to me as to how many companies claim that they do demand generation, but simply are just doing ungated lead gen. Yeah, and, and I do agree there that um, lead gen and demand gen have become synonymous, um, and I do think that it is incorrect. Um, and I usually don't dig this deep on the buzzword, but because you brought it up, and I know demand generation is what you do, I'd love to hear you share with our listeners, how do you define demand generation? What's the right way that we should be using the term? Yeah, the, the way that I, I work with clients to create demand is really to focus on building that brand affinity. It's about taking your product or your service out of the commodity category, because if you continue to stay in that commodity where it's, you know, you're a competitor and you compete on individual features or you compete on price, you're constantly putting yourself in a position where you have to justify, you know, your product versus another. But when you can build that brand affinity, when you can build that relationship with your potential buyers early on in the buying process, which and one of the best ways that we found to do that is actually through creating a personal brand through your leadership team, which we're going to get into a lot more detail today. That's truly how you can create demand to be very, very effective at scale when you look at launching these demand generation campaigns. Uh, perfect. I appreciate that. And that is definitely a perfect segue into my question, which is what brings you to Revenue Rehab today? Yeah, I mean, I've been following your LinkedIn for a while and obviously seeing, you know, a lot of the great interviews. Uh, and then today, you know, I reached out, I wanted to have a conversation with you specifically on 
personal branding on LinkedIn for leadership of, you know, SaaS companies for marketers and how they can start to invest in their own personal brand and how you can really utilize that as a tool for not only generating demand, but attracting potential employees to your company, attracting potential sales and just furthering your understanding of how to actually leverage this as a channel for your business. Awesome. And I believe in setting intentions. It gives us focus and it gives us purpose. Um, and most important, it lets our audience know what they should expect. So as we get into how and why they should be building a personal brand, what would you like uh, our audience to take away from this discussion? What's your intention? Yeah, my intention with this is to simply educate on the best way to invest in your personal brand and then why it's something that you should be doubling down on today. Uh, my hope at the end of this is that we'll have, you know, marketers that listen to this that have maybe been nervous to post content, nervous to really start, you know, creating video content, posting on LinkedIn, who are kind of in that lurking category where they're consuming a lot of content and maybe they're commenting here and there, you know, providing some value, but they haven't yet been in a position where they feel confident enough to take that leap and produce content. And my hope is at the end of this, we'll have, you know, quite a few marketers who are now willing to go ahead and produce content. Perfect. So my first question for you jumps right into the title of this episode, which is option or requirement. So for a marketing leader, do you feel like building a personal brand and having a social presence do you feel like it's an option that it's only right for certain people or are we at a place where it's a requirement? I think it's it's not something that you should have to be forced to do by your company. I think if you're in a position where, you know, you have a CEO say, hey, I, I want you to produce, you know, content on your personal brand. I don't think you should have to be forced into it by a company. And I've seen situations where even marketing leaders try and force, you know, SDRs to go and create content. It's not something that can be forced upon you, but the value that you get from producing the content compounds so significantly over you know a, a, an extended period that I think is something that every marketer should be doing. And if they're not significantly missing out on the advantages that you can kind of reap the rewards when you do start producing content. Okay. And so I've, you know, this, this conversation around building a brand on LinkedIn, outside of LinkedIn, et cetera, has come up um, in a number of places where I've been talking to CMOs, heads of marketing. And so I want to dive into some of the pushback that I've heard mm -hmm. and get your take on that. And the, the first and probably most obvious challenge is the time. Um, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, I don't have the time to, you know, spend hours and hours on LinkedIn, building a brand and building a following. I have a company to lead. And so what's your response to that objection? It's not time. You don't have it. It's prioritizing it. It's, you know, for me, I, I, I work out a lot. I love going to the gym. I don't have time every day to go to the gym, but I make time because for me, that's a priority. I make time on my calendar. I have scheduled times where I'll go onto LinkedIn. I have scheduled podcasts like this where I'll produce content. It's not that you don't have time. It's not a high enough priority for you to allocate time to that. Everybody has the same number of hours in the week. It really comes down to priorities with that. So anyone that tells me they don't have time, my immediate response is it's just, you don't see the value in this enough to make time, not that you don't have time to produce content. Okay. And so what is the time commitment? So I know I've followed you on LinkedIn. I know you're very present and you put out some really good content. It's not just you know, you do see some people that seem to post just for the sake of posting. 
Um, and so how much time do you spend on an average day or week really dedicating to producing this content and building your brand? Yeah. So in, in terms of producing content, a lot of the content that I produce is from podcast interviews like this. So behind me right now, I have cameras, I have lights, I have everything set up. So I'm recording this for my own content strategy. And that's where, you know, the, the content strategy that I follow and the way that I've been able to produce a lot of content at scale is by following the kind of pillar event. So for me, a podcast interview is a pillar event. After this, I will have maybe five to 10 videos that I'll be able to to produce, chop down, and then share those on LinkedIn afterwards. So I can produce content at scale because for me, I've been doing it for a while. If you're just getting started, I would say start posting on LinkedIn, just text things, you know, text posts to begin with and just spend, you know, half an hour in the morning sitting down with your coffee and posting those out. You don't have to schedule them out for a week in advance. Take that little bit of time. But overall, for me right now, I probably spend two hours a week producing content and I have hundreds of videos you know, a month that are getting produced because of the engine that I've built. And once you get to the point where you have that engine, producing content becomes a lot easier, not to mention the fact you have an entire library of content for when I get sick, for when I'm on vacation, and I don't have time to produce content because I'm not in the studio or whatever. I can just pick one from last year, post that, and be able to, again, reshare that value. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, two hours a week, when you say it that way, it's like, oh, like, I can find two hours a week. Uh, exactly. And, and and I do think that in some cases, the pushback on time is really the perception mm -hmm. of the amount of time that it takes, because you are right. Like it does appear for a lot of people that they are behind the computer on LinkedIn all day long. Um, and it's like, how do you get a job done? But what I'm hearing is, is it really is about that, you know, common phrase, working smarter and not harder. Yeah, exactly. And if you if you allow yourself to sit on LinkedIn all day, you will sit on LinkedIn all day. For me, <laughs> I check it for 30 minutes in the morning. I check it for 30 minutes in the evening. You know, that's my time on LinkedIn. I post LinkedIn videos from my phone. I'm sat there, you know, this morning, I posted one this morning. I'm sat having a coffee. I post it. I already have the video chopped up, ready to go. Now I will say that, when I say it takes me two hours to produce content, that's me sitting down recording content. I have a production team that edits all of the content for me. So if you are going to get into actually editing it, you know, you'll see I've produced on TikTok, for instance, different subtitles. We have crazy subtitles there. We have meme videos on LinkedIn. You know, we have all these different formats that formats that I create. That's all done by my team. That's not me personally. So Again, I don't want to. I don't want to lead people in kind of a false idea with that two hours. And it's something that I've been very much pushing with my own clients right now, CEOs, CMOs that I'm working with, where they're saying, "Hey, we want to produce content like you. We don't have time to do all of that, but we have the two hours. So what do we do?" So we've actually now started offering as a service. Basically, send us the video. We'll chop it up for you. We'll send it back to you, and that way we can augment the actual engine of the content creation all you have to do is sit down and do the recording and we'll chop that up and send you social media ready content ready to go to allow you to take kind of some of that heavy lifting out of it uh, it's a new service that we've been offering again just for the last couple of months just because we've seen that demand for i want to produce content but i don't have a video editor i don't know how to find a video editor and we just don't simply have the resources in-house to do this Okay. So, and that is good perspective. Um, so that, I mean, cause we don't want to like make it seem like the two hours is for the whole shebang. Exactly. Um, and so the second sort of pushback that I hear is not everyone is extroverted or outgoing or comfortable really putting themselves in the public eye in that way 
What's your feedback for those people? Uh, it, it's two things, really. Uh, first and foremost, nobody is is born uh, with the ability to talk on camera. You know, it, it's a skill. It's something that you learn. I again, I relate it back to to working out. You know, it's a muscle that you can build on. So if you look back towards the first couple of pieces of content that I was producing, you know, several years ago, I look back and I'm embarrassed because I have no idea what I'm talking about. I, I don't look confident. I don't have the setup. The you know, the audio quality isn't there. We didn't have the microphone, the cameras, the lights, all of that, and. For me, it's embarrassing, but that's the way you should be when you produce content at the beginning. So if you're you know, saying, right, I'm not an extrovert, I don't feel comfortable on camera, I would challenge you to go and record a video. You don't have to post it, but get, get comfortable producing content because it is something that you will get better at. I have clients right now where we're doing video ads for them, and we have CEOs who are talking about certain parts of it. The first recording we did is brutal. And then we give them feedback and then we get to the second one and then the third one. And then by the fourth and fifth one, we've got really great content that we can share across LinkedIn now and they're building that personal brand. So I would say, you know, don't compare yourself. If you're looking at starting content, don't compare yourself to someone like myself or, or you, Brandy. Like we've been doing this for years. So we're very comfortable with this. You know, you're comparing yourself to a professional content producer. Compare yourself to what you're seeing with people that are starting off and maybe reach out to other people and say, hey, you know, I'm looking at doing this. Can I get some feedback on this video? Like, I, You need to start to get better. It's not something that you are just born with. Um, so I would definitely take those first couple of steps and don't be embarrassed to to fail really. And if anybody, you know, wants feedback, I'm happy to, you know, send me a video. I'll, I'll, I'll give you feedback on it and I'll show you, you know, points that you can improve. And you'd be amazed how much the editing can remove filler words, can remove mistakes. You know, it, I mean, it really is amazing. That's why again, doing live videos like this, it's great. But for the majority of my content, it's all edited for that reason. Cause if I make a mistake, we just chop it out and we carry on going. Um, yeah. And that, that I think is the other thing. It gives that perception of perfection and, you know, people are like, oh, I don't speak that polished or, you know, I and it's like, no, that's actually editing. Like, you know, that's that's not what anybody yeah. really does. Um, so awesome. So and then the third sort of pushback that I hear most often is the struggle around what to say, um, because, you know, we have had some. um I'll call them interesting, uh, you know, social moments recently. You know, we had the crying CMO or CEO. We had, you know, there was oh, there was yeah. all these things that were, it was like the talk of LinkedIn, so to speak, from all of these kind of, you know, LinkedIn fiascos, so to speak. Uh, and it, it seems like a lot of people are like, see, these things happen because people are trying to stretch to figure out what to say. And you know, they're, they're like having to like really step outside of, of something meaningful to be able to have enough content. And I hear people say, I just don't have enough to say to be consistent with this. And yeah. so what's your thought there? Yeah, you have to, it's a framework. You have to understand, you know, what the topics are. And, you know, I have a framework that I can share with people where, you know, we, we break it down by certain topics and then we break them down by subcategories. So we'll go ahead and we'll plan a month's worth of content over, you know, an hour on a weekend. We'll plan all that content out. And then we know we have that content for that month. But if you start getting into these, I don't know, I want to call them trends, but I, I know the crying CEO picture, you know, it blew up on LinkedIn. It got shredded, you know, because it was, you know, talking about how upsetting it was to make layoffs as a CEO, which... I get it, but you're not the one losing a job. So it's one of those where, you know, you you can get into producing content that kind of follows the trends, but I think that's really an attention grab rather than providing value. You're trying to have that one video that goes 
viral on LinkedIn, you know, gets a lot of engagement. For me, I'm more focused on producing value around what I'm an expert in. So I write down the different categories. I'm an expert in marketing. I'm an expert in demand generation. I'm an expert in sales. You know, these are things that I know I can produce content in on a regular basis. And it doesn't necessarily have to be individual, you know, creating a lot of that content with it. You can really go ahead and you can, you can stretch that out and you can produce a lot of content on those topics. So, you know, for anyone that's looking at it, I would definitely focus on what your core competencies are and then start to produce content. And then you'll start to then be able to produce more content after that. Yeah. So it sounds like taking the same framework that we do in our business, like we generally are having our teams to create an editorial calendar and to plan the content that we need to create as business. And you're saying take that same approach with your personal brand and the content that you are creating and really actually plan it out. Um, and, and I do think, you know, for myself, I think my biggest struggle is there's so many things that come natural to me that mm -hmm. I'm like, well, everybody knows that. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to put out a video or write a blog about that. Like everybody knows that. And that's not actually the case. Like something that comes easy and natural or seemingly to me is the same thing that someone else may be struggling to solve for. Yeah, I, I think that's a huge misconception on that. What I know, everybody else knows. And it, it's it's just simply not true. You know, you, you, there are so many things that you are an expert on that somebody that's one step behind you is looking for those answers. So if you're, I mean, if you're a marketing leader at this point, you know, there are junior marketers, there are marketing specialists, you know, who are starting off their career or, you know, maybe a couple of years in, they're hungry for advice and you can be that person to produce content and advise them on that. You know, never underestimate how much you know compared to what you assume everybody else knows. Because I've made that mistake when I produce content and I'll almost produce it too high a level in terms of what we're talking about. And then I get questions on very basic fundamentals of it. And it's like, oh, people don't understand even these parts of it. So now I need to break it down even simpler. And that's where, again, the more content you produce, the more feedback you get, the more questions that are going to get asked. And then every question, turn that into another piece of content. Okay. And so I'm hearing all the positives, like everything we're talking about, you know, it, like someone listening is probably like, I need to be doing this and I need to plan to do this. Are there any scenarios where you would say, eh, this is not as effective? Um, you know, are there any industries, roles, like any scenario where you're like, mm, this probably isn't for you? It depends on if you're an expert as to what you talk about. I will say if you're an SDR at a attribution marketing software, if you don't understand how to do marketing and how that, and you're trying to talk to CMOs and you go and produce content, if you're basically falsifying the information and you don't really understand in depth what you're talking about at that point, then I can see the negatives of it. But if you're a marketing leader at that company, you should be producing content. It really comes down to if you're truly an expert, produce content on what you know, don't pretend to produce content and things you don't know about. So that's where I can see potential negatives with it. I will say running a, a marketing agency, being the face of my company, you know, we started it a year and a half ago, it's grown completely organic, really because of my content we've now run into this issue where we have so many inbound requests that when they say, hey, you're going to be working with this person rather than working with Chris, there's not necessarily that understanding of it's not just Chris is the whole company. 
there's other people within the company as well. And, and that's something that we've been dealing with personally as we scale is everybody wants to work with, you know, the face of the company, who they know, who they trust through the, through, through the videos and through, you know, where they've consumed the content. So then being able to pivot that into right now, you will work with this person. This is your project manager. This is going to be your, you know, marketing specialist that you're going to work with. That's been an interesting journey that we've been on in the past couple of months to really take this from just me to, you know, a small team because, not everybody on my team is producing content because they're not as much of an expert in certain fields. Okay. Yeah. And I've definitely experienced that. Like we, um, we had a scenario where early in our company's existence, uh, one of our co-founders was, you know, really the face of the company and he decided to step down. He wanted to semi-retire, um, and, you know, do some different things. And so when he left, you know, our niche was a little bit different than I had people asking, like, is the company okay? Is it going to be all right? Yeah. Are you going to still exist? And I was like, huh, like we're thriving. And, you know, this is, you know, it wasn't even, you know, it wasn't like a, a negative departure. It was a, I'm at a place in my life where I want to do something different now. Yeah. And so it it did take a long time to like really reposition and, you know, bring forth the brand of the organization. And, you know, for that reason, that is one place that I personally struggle with personal brands versus company brand is, you know, I very much am one of the primary faces of our organization because of the podcast and, you know, just naturally who I am. Uh, you know, I've been personally branding myself before that was really a thing. Um, and so at the same time, I also want to make sure for the, the reason that you said, like, there's only a handful of our clients that I personally work with. Yeah. And so I have to make sure that I'm also elevating the company brand and the other, you know, amazing minds that we have on our team who are really specialists in, you know, these different areas, places where, you know, I'm kind of just have a, a basic knowledge. We've got people who they are experts in that. And so, like, how do you balance the two? in being able to make sure that you are bringing the company brand forward and strong, because at the end of the day, like that's what pays the bills is when people buy from the company. Um, mm -hmm. And whether you're consultants like us, or, you know, you're in a SaaS model company or, you know, manufacturing, like wherever, at the end of the day, people need to buy from the organization. How do you balance you know, bringing forth your own brand and your own knowledge and talents and content with really pushing forward the company message, the company brand. Yeah, I, I do think it is a fine balance between personal branding and company branding. And for me, the best way to attract significant awareness to the company is through multiple personal brands. So where, you know, in that instance where, you know, you have a CEO that's looking to step down, they've been the face of the company, they need to be bringing in those next layers of personal brands of people around them to start to almost transition the face of the company off to other people. But a personal brand is always going to do better than a company brand. It's just, it's, it's people buying from people. Everybody wants to talk to a person. I would never discourage somebody from creating personal content on the fact that it may take away from the brand because you're still attracting to the brand just because of your own personal brand. I think doing it at scale, having a culture where 
multiple people within the company believe in the mission of, of and the value of producing content, that's the best way to really attract it to the company. Because if every time you go on LinkedIn, you see all these different people from the same company, all producing great content, all talking about their area of expertise, that's such an attractive way to then go in and, and it makes me want to learn more. Well, who is this company? It makes you want to go and you know click on the LinkedIn profile. I know that person represents that company and I like that person. So now by association, I like that company. You can get into internal production of things like podcasts, a video series, a YouTube series, where you show almost behind the scenes of what's going on within the company. I think that's a great way to leverage personal brands within a company. I think internal podcasts are great to be able to share knowledge and understanding. You know, if you are in whatever SaaS company, being able to have, you know, multiple stakeholders from your company regularly talking about their area of expertise, that allows you to attract the right people, but never make the mistake of trying to push everything to the brand because people are really going to buy from people. It's always been the way it's been. It's always been the way it is going forward. People don't buy from the brand. They buy because they like that individual that they've been, you know, having that relationship with. Okay. And so what happens when your personal brand, who you are as an individual conflicts with the natural brand of the company? And, and I'll elaborate on what I mean. Like if I look at who I am as a person, I am very outspoken. I'm a bit quirky. I've always got, you know, sometimes off color jokes. Like I, I love memes and, you know, pop culture and, and those sort of things. And lucky for me that who I am as an individual is directly aligned to the company brand, right down to the company colors are orange and blue. And those are my two favorite colors. Yeah. Um, and, and so like for me, it is very aligned. However, early in my career, I worked in insurance, for example, which is a very different environment. The mm -hmm. company was, you know, one of those that had been around for, you know, hundreds of years and was very like clean and crisp. Like we didn't, I mean, so much so like in our writing, we didn't use contractions. You said mm -hmm. cannot, you did not say can't. Um, whereas in my writing, I'm going to use like slang and slang references and hashtags and, and things like that. And so at that point, I wasn't in a place in my career to really build a brand, you know, a personal brand tied to my company. But if I think if I was at this place in my career at that company, there mm -hmm. would be a direct conflict there if I were trying to be authentic in the content that I'm producing in who I am. I feel like it could almost get me in trouble associating that with the company brand. So mm -hmm. have you seen that with other people or, you know, if someone's personal, who they are is very different than how their company tries to portray, is that risky? I think it is risky. Yeah. But I also, you know, if your, if your personal brand is in a direct conflict with the company that you represent, I think there's a bigger question of why you're working for that company. Is it a good fit culturally? Probably not. So I think there's, you know, Yes, I think that's almost like a subsection of finding a cultural fit, because if you're in that situation where you're afraid to produce content or because I've been in that situation, I've been in a situation you know, with previous companies where I was not the CEO, but I was the face of the company. I produced a ton of content and I'm getting told, hey, you're kind of getting too big. You need to slow down. We need to focus everything back to the company, even though I'm bringing and attracting all of the, the clients because they know my personal brand. 
and you've been in that situation. And for me, I just at that point said, listen, this isn't a good fit then because I'm trying to attract clients through content. I'm trying to share, you know, educational content. I'm trying to build brand affinity. And if that's a threat to, you know, almost the leadership position, then this just isn't culturally a good fit. And it, it's, it goes, it stems so much further than personal brand versus company brand. Do they conflict? If they conflict, everything else is going to conflict. So you're probably not in the right position. Um, and earlier on in your career, yeah, it's more difficult to be able to say that as you become more of a an expert in the field that you're in, as you have more confidence, as you work with more companies, you'll find that you will attract the right kind of companies to you. And if you're truly investing in personal branding over the course of a longer period, the moment you say, hey, I'm looking at doing this now, I want to go and you know work in this kind of field, or I'm, I'm leaving my company and I want to you know start consulting, I want to go and you know find another company. Those companies that have been following you, those individuals that have been following you for the past, you know, two or three years, they're going to reach out because they will align with your personal brand, with the type of content you produce. So you will attract like-minded to you by being authentic. The moment you try and stick to, you know, a particular content, because that's what your company is, you lose authenticity. And it, to me, it's, it's a waste of time to, to get into that. You have to be authentic with the content you produce. Uh, I completely agree. Uh, and so my last question is you've thrown out some tips as we've been going along of how, but I want to make sure to give you an opportunity to offer up any advice on what are your tips? Like if I have not, you know, if I'm listening and I really don't have much of a, a LinkedIn or a content presence as an individual, what are your, what, what's your advice there? Yeah. My, my advice first and foremost is write down 10 topics that you think you can talk about. It can be anything. It can be anything from like, for me, it could be, you know, marketing sales, demand generation, um, college soccer, working out, you know, it could be, it could be anything. Go and write down 10 topics and then go and record a couple of videos from that and get some practice and then go on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn, send me the video and I'll, I'll, I'll provide feedback for you. Go and take that time. I can literally just be an iPhone, just stick it in front of your face, record the video, see how it comes out and just get a feel for what it's like to produce content because it really is. It's such a benefit if you can execute this at scale. It doesn't, and it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to go from zero to where you know myself and you are in you know one week. It's going to take time to build it up. But take that first step. And again, I'm more than happy to provide feedback for people. Just to you know, again, just to encourage them a little bit further to produce that content. And then from there go and produce another couple of videos and then post one on LinkedIn and just see what happens. You're probably going to get very few engagements to start off with, but don't worry about it. I was talking with a, a client the other day where they said, you know, hey, we're producing videos. We're only getting 400 views on LinkedIn when we produce a video. You know, we're getting very few likes. We're getting 400 views. Is it worth it? And I said, if I gave you a speaking opportunity right now where I said, right, we're going to go into a room and you can have 90 seconds to talk to 400 people, would you take it? You say, oh yeah, absolutely. Of course I'd do that. I said, that's the exact same situation, only this is on social media. So don't underestimate the power of being in front of 400 people consistently. Even if they're only watching 50% of the video, eventually they're going to start to build that relationship with you. And now when clients come inbound to me, I get on a call on a Zoom call with them like this. The first thing they say is, hey, I feel like I know you. 
even though we've never had that we've never met we've never had a conversation say hey i feel like i know you you know how's you know how's the we, we just renovated an rv how's the rv going you know how's the how's the home office how's you know things that you know i produce i i, I talk a lot about about my own life as well on linkedin because i think it's really valuable to show a human behind the brand as well but the first question people ask right now is how's the rv which to me is hilarious because it, it's something that we've been renovating. You know, we've produced a bit of content on it. Um, but again, people really buy into you and then they want to work with you. I was going to say, now I feel like I got to go find the videos of the RV. Uh oh, you got to check it out. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, you got to check it out. Um, awesome. Well, normally I always ask for a one thing, but I think you gave us the one thing that we should do and starting with the 10 topics i do think that that is a great place to to start in just thinking about where could you talk all day because i think we do all have those topics that you know even if a stranger in, in a grocery line brings it up you could totally like talk to them for hours upon hours about that topic and it's like think about what are those 10 things and really yeah. starting there um, so I love that and I have totally enjoyed our discussion, but that's our time for today. Uh, before we go though, tell our audience how they can connect with you. Yeah. Best way to connect with me is going to be the LinkedIn or TikTok. Um, I produce a ton of content on LinkedIn. I always say TikTok's kind of my, uh, library of content, if you will, because it's just all the videos. So if you, you know, all the podcasts that I, I go are all chopped up and on there. So if you're ever looking to just binge out on marketing, you know, TikTok is definitely a great place to follow a lot of the content that I produce. Uh, and then if you're interested in learning more about Catalyst, go to our website, which is catalystconsulting.services. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Chris. I really appreciate it. Yep. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, and I hope everyone has enjoyed my conversation today with Chris. I can't believe we're at the end already. I will see you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.